Would you join me this morning, please, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? After nearly five years, we concluded our series through John. So what in the world are we going to do now? I had thought about just going back through John, take five years off from studying. Actually, I was thinking we should go through the book of Acts next, originally. Decided to move that to Sunday nights, which we started back in June. And so be back tonight as we go through the book of Acts and we see what it means to be a church alive. I'm excited about that study. Now, I believe before we go verse by verse through another book of the Bible on Sunday mornings, I believe the Lord would have us to consider some thoughts that I believe will be a help to all of us. It's foundational to our walk with God. Of course, all of the Word of God is profitable, so I guess what I just said came out wrong. But this is foundational. Every one of us needs this, and I've entitled this series, Five to Thrive. Five to Thrive. If you take in our pre-service announcements, then you have seen what I jokingly refer to as our propaganda slides. And there's one that says, Five to Thrive. And the five things that I have listed there and have been beautifully pictured by Madison is Bible reading, prayer, church, witnessing, giving. Five to thrive. Somebody's already thinking, wait a minute, preacher, if you do this series, you're going to be talking to us about money. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to go there. And listen, we're all going to have great attitudes about it too. Amen. <laughs> It's easy to say on day one, amen. We're going to be smiling about it. We're going to be saying amen at the right point so we look like we're all right with God. And uh, it's going to be a great time. I already know the challenge for me through this series is going to be not turning each one of these points into a five-year study. And so I'm going to try my best to not get bogged down in this series. But if I'm not careful, we'll do that. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and in verse 1, we have a verse that I want to use today just to introduce the topic that we'll be discussing for at least the next five weeks. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians and in verse 1, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. This is not something that I had planned to do, but as I was preparing for this, I understood there was no way around an introduction. I was going to just jump right in with the first point. I wasn't planning to do this message, but as I was preparing, it became evident I needed to just park it and give you what's on my heart this morning. We, we see here that the Apostle Paul, he is beseeching and he is exhorting these believers, which means... He is imploring and encouraging them. And he's doing so by the Lord Jesus. We beseech you and exhort you. Or we come to you in His name and in His authority. And notice what is stated next. That as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. These believers were taught how they were supposed to walk with God. How they were supposed to walk in the world as believers. And if they would walk as they ought, then their Christianity would be pleasing to God. 
And the desire by Paul was that they would abound more and more in their walk with God. The hope is that they would continue to excel. That they would always be doing what was pleasing to God. That they would keep growing and they would keep going in their faith. That they would please God abounding more and more. And so what we find is that, listen, there is a way that we ought to walk as believers in Christ. So as you ought to walk. There is a way that we're supposed to walk. Which obviously means there's a way that we're not supposed to walk. And our walk as children of God ought to be pleasing to God. Not man. That's going to be important later on. Our walk is to be pleasing to God. Don't worry about what somebody else thinks about your walk with God. Are you pleasing God? And we ought to please God because, listen, God doesn't exist to please us, but we exist to please God. This is why we were created. Even Jesus said in John 8, 29, The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. There ought to be the desire within every child of God to please their heavenly Father more and more. There ought to be a desire to live the Christian life in a manner pleasing to God. And we could spend many months talking about how we ought to walk and how our life ought to be pleasing to God. And, and even in this chapter, immediately we see after our text verse that he goes on, he speaks about sanctification. For this is the will of God, verse 3, even your sanctification. And he says later on, I believe it's in verse 7, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. But I just want to take as a way of application, 1 Thessalonians 4.1, to our series 5 to Thrive. And I just want to take a few weeks discussing that if you will learn to abound more and more in these five areas, you will have a proper walk with God. You will be pleasing to God. Read your Bible. Pray. Go to church. Give financially. Witness. Those are the five core areas. If you've been attending here for any length of time, you've heard me mention these areas several times. And it's because I believe that these are critical to our walk with God. I sometimes will say this, that these five areas are Christianity 101. And I, and I say that as an attempt to communicate to you that until you are fulfilling these five areas, you've not really even learned the basics of the Christian life. And you're still a babe in Christ. But I also reckon it's not the best way to state it because saying that these five areas are Christianity 101 implies that there's something greater you need to be doing. Maybe there's something more you need to move on to. When in reality, the Christian life is really very simple. We just complicate it because of man's ideas. And so it's not like you're going to get to a point where it's like, okay, I've checked these five boxes. Now I can move on to Christianity 201. <laughs> so I don't mean to even throw that out there when I say Christianity 101. I'm, and listen, I'm not suggesting that there aren't deeper waters in the Christian life. 
We understand that there are. But I am telling you this. These five areas are going to accompany you in every stage of your walk with God. You need them all the time. They encompass all other facets of the Christian life. And for sure, we could easily add to these five things. We could include things like marriage, parenting, family cohesiveness, how to be a better employee. Whatever you want to have a seminar on, we could add. We could add a lot to this. Friendships, church unity. We could get into character traits like mercy. You know, being merciful to people, being gracious, being compassionate. But individually, for us as individuals, these five areas are the Christian life. Period. Oftentimes, we're too wrapped up in how our relationships with other people We're too wrapped up in that, how is my relationship with someone else, that what we inadvertently do is we let our individual walk with God slip. Do you hear me? Because we get so focused on on how is my relationship with Sister Williams. All the while, while I'm sensing there's something wrong, I'm neglecting one of these five areas if I'm not careful. Because what is lacking in those areas... It is only a manifestation of what is lacking in one of these five areas. You say, I'm having marriage issues. I'm having parenting issues. I'm having relationship issues. We're having unity issues. Whatever the case is, I'll guarantee you I can bring it back to one of these five points. I want to be a better spouse. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better friend. That's great. Praise God. But are you doing what God expects you to be doing in being His disciple to begin with? You're never going to be a better spouse, parent, friend, or church member until you learn to accomplish what God has set forth as foundational to the Christian life. And what you'll find as you learn to be faithful in these five areas is that all the other areas in life which do involve interactions with other people They become improved because you're now where you need to be spiritually. And listen, here's the fact. You can only control yourself. You can't make someone else live their life pleasing to God. And they can't make you live your life pleasing to God. But Boy, we're good at beating people over the head, ain't we? So what I'm talking about in these five areas is your personal walk with God. And how this in turn is going to help you in every other area of your Christian life. I know from experience. Now in our walk with God, I believe all of us have the desire to please God and to thrive in the Christian life. If you don't have that desire, then you need to see whether you be in the faith. Because someone that has truly been born again by the power of God will have the desire to please God. Because you understand what God has done for you. And so if you don't have that desire, something is off. And the rest of this isn't going to benefit you until you get saved. The grace of God will cause you to desire to please God and to thrive in doing so. In short, thrive means to prosper and grow. So can you say that you are prospering and growing as a believer this morning? 
as verse 1 says, we should abound more and more. We should keep growing. We should keep prospering. But I find that so many are floundering in their walk with God. I'm personally convinced, and I believe I could even say that I will promise you that if you will learn to do these five things with a right heart, you'll be thriving as a Christian who is pleasing to God. I can promise you that. In every problem I've ever dealt with, whether it's my, my personal walk with God or whether it's in trying to help others who come to me with their walk with God, it always, always comes back to one of these five areas being lacking, being lacking or not being accomplished at all without fail. Someone comes to my office and they open up about a sin that he's struggling with. And he desperately wants victory over this sin. You can tell that he's genuine. But time and time again, he finds himself defeated and overcome. And I wonder how many of you can identify with that scenario in your life. The very first thing I'll address in every situation is, are you saved? That's the first thing. Are you baptized? If you're not one of those two things, I'm not moving forward with you. Because that's the ultimate foundation, amen. I'll address that, but after I address whether they are saved and baptized, if, if there's a testimony of salvation and if they have obeyed the Lord in believer's baptism, then I move on to these five areas. I ask them, how is your Bible reading? How is your prayer life? How is your church attendance? How is your giving? How is your witnessing? Usually there is an admittance that all five areas are not where they should be. And they'll admit, I need to read my Bible more. I, I need to read the Bible more purposefully. I need to pray more fervently. I need to be in church more faithfully. I need to give more scripturally. I need to witness more boldly. And, and many men come in and they admit their struggles with this one particular area. And it's a very common struggle with men especially, but it's becoming more common with women in the day in which we live. And I can tell you it's the greatest sin in our church. And listen, we're not against anybody who's struggling with sin. That's why we're here. We're a hospital. We're not here to call you up and beat you up and make fun of you. We're here to try to be a help because I need help. And we're not against you if you're struggling with sin. Don't take that away. We all have our issues. We all want victory in the area that the Bible calls our besetting sin. That's the sin which we struggle with the most. And many of us will spend a lifetime battling this one area. That temptation is always there, it seems. Sometimes it's more than one temptation. So they confide that they want victory in their particular area of struggle. And I'm thankful there's a desire for victory because that tells me that God is dealing with them. Because I want you to understand, Satan's not going to come to you and say, you know what, you ought to be in church more. <laughs> Satan's not going to come along and say, boy, you know what would be good if you would just get rid of this sin. So I know at that point, okay, this is good. There's a desire to have victory over sin in their life. God's dealing with them. There's conviction. And this is going to be hard for some to grasp. But I want you to 
Please try to get what I'm about to say and stay with me. But what happens is people come in with their list. It's a list of what they feel is going to make them a better Christian. I see it a lot. And they've got this list that says, if I can get these things done, I'm going to be a good Christian. And without fail, the number one thing that is listed is the sin that they struggle with the most. Pastor, I know that if I could just get this under control, then I would be able to thrive as a Christian. And I could finally have a life that's pleasing to God. So I look at their list or I patiently listen to their list. And I find that within their list, there are these five areas listed. Somewhere in the list. There's Bible reading, there's prayer, there's church attendance, there's witnessing, there's giving. It's in there somewhere. They understand the need to do it. And immediately I can identify what the problem is. When it comes time for me to speak, I say as compassionately as I can, Here's your problem. You think that the answer to thriving as a Christian is victory over this sin because that's your number one priority. You think that's the answer. But do you see in your list here that below your number one sin, somewhere below that you have Bible reading? And I start to point this out. And and I tell them, why is Bible reading below getting victory over this sin? And they start to mentally, mentally scratch their heads. Because they assume I'm on the right track by overcoming this sin first and foremost. In their minds, the sin is the limiting factor that is keeping them from thriving and pleasing God and abounding more and more. And here's their thinking, and we've probably all been there to some extent or another. I have. And and the thinking is this, if I get victory over this, then I will be able to read my Bible. Or do better in any of these five areas, you pick it. But I want you to grasp this morning, it does not work that way. You don't get victory over something and then you move on to Bible reading. No, listen to me now. You read your Bible to get victory over the sin. Do you see what I'm trying to say? And so as I peruse the list, five things are almost always listed. These five things are almost always listed. But they're always listed below other areas that they think they need to get right first. And it's never going to work. There are some, and and I'll go as far as to say this. I I, I took it out, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I feel like the Lord wants. There are some within our stripe. Within our stripe of independent Baptists. And and I see this with a lot of our young military people that come in from other churches. There are some within our stripe that are teaching that if you want to be a solid Christian, then what you need to do is adhere to this list of standards. Here it is. You need to get a hold of this. They give them their list of standards, their list of qualifications, and the places that they need to abstain from. But this form of Christianity, I know as a pastor now, is doing more damage than good. 
And in fact, it's dangerous because of how it elevates spiritual leaders. And somehow I become your God. Pastor said I need to do this. No, no, no. I was listening to a preacher uh, one time and he said, you know, I was pastoring a church in North Carolina. And he said, when I got there, I started to blast all these things. And I was telling the women, you got to dress this way. I was telling the guys, you can't go fishing on Sunday. I was doing all this stuff. I was telling them, and they began to do what I told them. He said, but the moment that I left, guess what? The women went right back to dressing how he told them not to. And the men went right back to going to the lakes in the summer. And this is what he concluded. You know what my problem was? They were following me. You're not here to follow me. Thank God. I got enough with Big A over there, amen. <laughs> you see, and those who try to accomplish these lists will find at the end that they aren't any closer to thriving as a Christian than when they set out to accomplish those lists. And so they find, I, I've, I've accomplished the list, I've done this, and yet I'm not any closer to God than I was when I started. And i got to be very careful how I present this because the Bible does contain lists of do's and don'ts. It does. In fact, it contains quite a bit. Um, but it's never outside of the reach of these five areas. In other words, you're not going to be able to successfully accomplish the Bible list without these five areas being solid first. And I certainly don't ever want to come across as hyper-grace that anything goes. That's a very dangerous doctrine. Paul addressed that by asking, should we sin that grace might abound? God forbid. But having been taught that if they can accomplish some list of man, they begin to work at it very hard because they genuinely want victory in their life. But it only makes it that much more deflating when they get to the end of the list and it doesn't work out. They conform to man's standard. They meet man's standard. They meet his qualification. They stay away from the places and things that their pastor said to stay away from that they shouldn't go to or do. But after accomplishing their list, they are left empty in the end because if you analyze what they have been taught, it's nothing more than the works of the flesh. Give it enough time and your flesh is going to fail you. And once you fail again because you've been operating in the power of your flesh, you're going to get frustrated with the Christian life. Because you realize you're no better now than you were when you first came to Christ. And you're eventually going to drop out because this is the point where people begin to say, I've tried that. I tried all that Christianity stuff once. It doesn't work for me. I did everything the church told me. They said I'd be thriving as a Christian and I'm not. Why? It's because they were taught to prioritize wrong. And unknowingly, man's list got placed above God's list. But preacher, you're doing the same by giving us a list of five things. Well, good observation, but no. There's a big difference. This is found in God's Word. This is God's criteria. For example, man's list will say things like this. You know what your problem is? The internet is your problem. Get rid of the internet and you'll get victory. Man comes along and says, you know what your problem is? If you want to be holy, you need to dress this way. You know what you need to do is you need to give up that hobby. I tell you what, if you would replace Big League Chew with Hubba Bubba, you'd be better off. I'm just trying to lighten it up, but the fact is some of the lists get that ridiculous. 
I can take you to places in the South, and some of you know this is true. You can't wear wingtip wing, wing shoes, cowboy boots, or wide rim, rim glasses. If you're preaching that, boy, you're the devil. It gets insane. Let's get a little more controversial and serious, though. Here's what man says. You need to read three to four chapters of your Bible a day. Did God say that, or did man say that? I'm all for reading your Bible through in a year. But who are you doing it for? You doing it for man, or are you doing it for God? Instead, we ought to say something like this, Brother Mitchell. We ought to say, you know what you ought to do? Read the Bible till you hear from God. Can you see how Christianity, according to man's idea, becomes nothing more than a list of do's and don'ts? And, and you can see it manifested in these lists. And it doesn't have to be a written out list. You can just hear it. You can pick up on it by all that they bring out and how they bring it out. And so there inevitably ends up being this list with a mix between what God says to do and what man says to do. But unfortunately, the priority often goes to what man says over what God's plan is. Number one, I need to give victory over my sin. Number two, I need to spend less time on the internet. Number three, I need to read my Bible more. Number four, I need to curtail this particular friendship. Number five, I need to be more faithful to attend church. Number six, I need to read more Christian biographies. Number seven, I need to give to the church. Number eight, I need to be a better parent. Number nine, I need to pray more. Number ten, I need to work on my language. Number eleven, I need to witness more. Do you see how the list is all out of whack? And don't misunderstand me, those are all good goals to achieve. I think God's children ought not to cuss. There's nothing wrong with filtering the internet. There's nothing wrong with dressing for God. There's nothing wrong with limiting certain activities that we know are robbing us of our time from God. There's nothing wrong with reading three to four chapters of the Bible a day. There's nothing wrong with realigning wrong friendships. There's nothing wrong with reading more quality books. And there's nothing wrong with chewing different bubble gum for that matter. There's nothing wrong with these things, but I'm trying to get you to see that until you prioritize what God says to prioritize, you're never going to thrive as a Christian. You won't abound more and more. You won't be pleasing to God. You won't experience victory. And you'll labor to please man and you'll always be left lacking. For certain, God wants you to have victory over sin. Amen. He died for you to experience victory. He also died for you to live for Him. And it is through living for Him that we begin to learn to die to self. And I'm here to tell you, you're not going to get victory. You're not going to be thriving in your walk with God. You're not going to be pleasing God until you put these five areas in their rightful place. These five areas are what it takes to walk with God. They are foundational. So as we enter this series... Examine your walk with God and see if any of these five areas are lacking in your Christian life. No one ever comes to a pastor and says, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I find that I'm reading my Bible too much. (laughs) Pastor, please pray for me. I, I pray all the time. And it's just annoying. Would you pray for me? I... 
I, for some reason, I'm coming to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm, I know I shouldn't do that. I, how about this one? Here it comes. <laughs> Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm giving way too much to the church. <laughs> There's a remedy for that. Anyway, pray for me. I, I just tell everybody I know about Christ. You see, that never happens. Why not? Because I believe we all know deep down these five areas are crucial. We know that we ought to be bound, abounding more and more in these areas. I would doubt that there's anybody in here that could say, I know I'm doing all five of these exactly how God wants me to do them. Maybe. I can't say that. Am I reading my Bible enough? Am I waiting till I hear from God or am I reading just so I can get to my studies? Am I praying enough? Or am I just too generic? I mean, am I praying for this flock the way God wants me to? I have to be faithful. I got that one. I'm faithful to church. I got to be here. Am I giving the way God wants me to give? Am I witnessing the way God wants me to witness? How about you this morning? Do you thrive in your Christian life? Do you long for more? Do you want to please God and abound more and more? Then you have to be in the Word of God. You have to be in prayer. You have to be in church. You have to give. And you have to witness. What are you lacking this morning? Would you pray with me, please?